everyone, how are you doing? It's Till here. I'm your host for the Remote Work Show, and today I have a really exciting guest. It's going to be a really fun episode. I'm talking to Beldi, who is the CEO and co-founder of Balsamic. Balsamic was founded in 2008, and they have been a remote optimized company for almost 10 years. So they have a lot of experience under their hands. You will learn the furthering things in today's episode. You'll learn how Beldi structures his remote team legally and Quite frankly, some legal realities you may not have thought about if you want to hire people remotely. You will learn lessons Beldi learned from running, working remotely for over nine years. You will learn his top three tips for any remote company founders. You will learn tools we use and different processes which we have in their company and so much more. I hope you enjoy. Beldi Giacomo, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Sure. We're not actually 100% remote. We're uh, optimized for working remotely, but we can talk about that. Sure. So, so uh, I guess if you start, like, which percentage remote are you? How how remote are you? So, personally, I'm 100% remote. I've been uh, fully remote for uh, a year and a half now. and uh, But we do have an office in one of our locations in Bologna, Italy. So, people don't usually go to the office. <laughs> we have an office with, you know, about a dozen desks, but usually there's only three or four people on a given day. A lot of people go once a week. Some people go twice a week, but uh, everybody has a home office and that's the primary work location. Well, I guess I'll just take a step back. Could you share a bit more about yourself and what do you do? I think like our audience will really appreciate just learning more about you. Uh, well, sure. You gave us a pretty good intro. We do a little wireframing tool and, uh, we have people in Italy and in Germany, France, Holland, and then we have a bunch of people in Illinois and in California. And, uh, the Bologna office is our only office. And, uh, yeah, we've been around for 10 years. We are a global internet company, even though you know, we have a lot of people in Italy that don't consider us a, an Italian company. And that's about it. We're, you know, uh, having a good time, profitable, learning, figuring it out. That's nice. That's nice. I love the profitable part because you have so much uh, hype about raising money and uh, not bootstrapping. So I really love uh, what you guys are doing. So why did you guys, or why did you maybe more rightly choose to go uh, remotely? I know it's an increasing trend in last years. I mean, I'm working remotely for seven years that our product is supposed to help promote companies as well. So I'm just curious, why did you go to work remotely? Not every company does it. So I moved to Italy to start uh, Balsamic because it was cheaper to do it here. And my family was here and all that. But a lot of our customers are in the U.S. And so our second hire was someone in California to help with support. And uh, so ever since there, we've been remote, uh, you know, for nine years. So I don't really, we didn't really have a choice. If we wanted to provide the level of customer service that we wanted to provide without having to stay up all night, we needed to have a second location. Now we could have gotten an office, uh, you know, and, and be become a two office kind of company, but I'm not really attracted to that. And that sounds expensive and not needed. <laughs> And so we've been remote pretty much from the beginning. And uh, as we added people, we added them um, in different locations, uh, depending on where they were. And um, and we've been 
remote sense. So for us, there's not really any other option. We, that's the way we are. Mm-hmm. Nice. So yeah, so it sounds like you kind of went for business reasons, like you need to hire someone from the USA and just uh, since you're in Italy and you just kind of took it from there without like actually doing any physical offices. Uh, right. Yeah, you know, sorry. our goal has never been to grow a, a big company or, you know, we've been trying to grow as little as possible. So Why grow little as possible? I guess I'm asking this because it's a bit counterintuitive to what you hear too much, like where you have to grow, have to grow. So just uh, I'm curious to know uh, your thoughts on this. <laughs> I know. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, madness going around. Uh, our goal is to uh, serve our customers as well as we can and um, last long as we can so we can serve them for a long time. So we we usually choose, make decisions based on what's going to make us stick around the longest. And growing really fast usually does not do that. It means you're going to get acquired or, you know, and often that means you're going to get killed. Basically, I don't think that for what we're trying to do, which is just a little... Uh, authoring tool for designers and non-designers, we don't have to grow really fast. And so we shouldn't, you know, why, why take all that stress if you don't have to? Nice. Yeah. I really love his perspective. I just came yesterday from an event Suster and it's in San Francisco and I felt a bit the madness of raising money and growing super, super fast, which is, seems like if you're not growing 100% or 200% year over year here, like you're not doing anything, uh, which is completely wrong. So I really appreciate Yeah, stay it. away from San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. You, um, that's, it's a circus. I used to live there. That's, it's better to not be there. <laughs> it's, it's my first time here. So I'm just kind of feeling this energy, I guess, uh, <laughs> for, for the first time. Um, so, um, yeah, you've been working remotely for 10 years. So it's a same period, mostly remotely. I'm really curious to know any mistakes which you've done along the way, uh, if for any mistakes specifically like for structuring a remote team and working remotely. Oh, we make mistakes all the time. That's part of the fun, trying to figure out how to, uh, how to fix them. Well, let's see. So at the beginning, I decided to hire people wherever they were. If, if it was a good candidate, I would hire you. But quickly i hit uh, uh against the wall of uh legal uh realities we are citizens of the world but their laws have not you know they're have not kept up with uh, with uh, this new reality so what i'm trying to say is that it took us you know a year and a half to get set up in france so that we could have an employee there and pay taxes there really? and do payroll Right, a lot of remote companies do uh, independent contractor agreements. Yeah, that's what we do. As right? well. Yeah, yeah, I have mixed feelings about that. Um, we do that too with one employee. See, they're not an employee with a partner in Holland, but I don't, I don't love it because uh, it's not quite the same as being an employee. We cannot buy them a new computer; they have to buy it themselves, and then we have to figure out a way to. Uh, to uh, maybe give them a bonus to pay for that, right? It's It kind of feels different than being a, a real employee. But, you know, it's not a huge problem. It also forces everybody to become their own little in, independent business, which is a lot of work, right? It, it, being sure. an employee is nice because sure. the company takes care of all of your uh, 
benefits and all of your um, tax uh, withholdings and stuff. And in the U.S., for instance, it's not easy to get your own medical insurance as a you know independent contractor. It's much better. The, 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 the laws around the world are designed for uh, to make it easy for employees to be employees, not for freelancers. They're easier, I guess. And so, so we try to have full-on employees. That means hiring local accountants, local payroll people, and local lawyers. And it's expensive. It's very expensive and it takes time and, and, and a lot of effort. And so at the beginning, I did it for France. I did it for Germany. And then uh, we did it for New York because we had an employee there and California. But then um, one of the employees moved from New York to California. So we try to get out of New York. And if you think it's a lot of work to get into, it's a lot more work <laughs> to try to get out of a state because they don't want to lose the the taxes, the revenue. Right. So we spent at the beginning an enormous amount of time and effort in uh, trying to uh, become this uh, micro multinational with employees all over the world. You know, we were four people. And it was kind of a, uh, an outrageous percentage of our time went towards this. And so over time, we have uh, decided to give an advantage to people who live in locations that we already have. So now if you're in Italy, Germany, France, Illinois, or California, we'll probably want to hire you, you know, uh, more easily than if you're not in those locations. Yeah. Less, less um, legal expenses, I guess. And, uh, huge, uh, huge headache. I mean, we'll, we'll set up a new, uh, presence in a new state or country for the right, for the right candidate, but we'll think about it twice. So sadly, the remote lifestyle is not, you know, very easy to do if you want to do it the proper legal, traditional employment kind of way. But maybe we're wrong. Maybe we should just not care and, you know, do these uh, long-term contracts with the contractors and, uh, and that's it. Well, A lot of people do that. That's what I've always done, actually. I think it's the first time I hear a remote company doing it like, quote-unquote, a proper way. So it sounds to me like, first of all, you really care about your employees, which is a really great thing. Uh, so it just makes me think as well, if I should look at the other way really to do it with an employee. I, are you setting up like entities in order to do it or just uh, results of legal work and the entity is the, the same one? Uh, so it depends. Say in a European country, you have to set up uh, a legal entity. It's not a, you don't have to have an office, you know, we're a software company. We don't have clients coming in to purchase our stuff. It's all online. We, we just, there are, each state has its own little rules of uh, what kind of a foreign entity you can be. But, you know, basically what you need is you need to get a, a local tax number, right? Social security mm -hmm. number or you know, EIN in the U.S. or uh, they have different names in different countries. But with that, then you can register with the country or the state and um, and you get these uh you get set up for payroll and, uh, and you know, all, with all the different agencies, all the different taxes that you have to pay. And then there's sales tax that you have to start collecting. It's not very fun. Yes, no, I, it's not, doesn't <laughs> sound like much fun. So basically, you're trying to focus on a few cities where you dial down the, the tax and all the laws. And then you're trying to hire specifically remotely from both cities. 
uh, states, not states. cities. I, I don't yeah, really yeah. care where you live. The, the rules are usually state specific. So, for instance, when we decided to hire someone in support that could cover both Europe and uh, the West Coast of the U.S., we looked at what are some country, what are some states in the East Coast that have a big pool of candidates so that if we get set up there, we'll be able to hire other people in that same state. And that's why we chose Illinois. Mm -hmm. I really like this uh, tip, yeah. And now we have four people in Illinois. (laughs) So, you know, it sucks. I wish I could just get (laughs) anyone from wherever they were. But if I want to do it in in a way that uh, makes them feel like they are part of, uh, you know, first-class citizen of this company, that is going to cost a a ton. So as we grow, maybe we'll figure out a better way to do it. But got it, got it. So you, far, you, you definitely make me feel. I uh, think, and I think anyone who listens also will uh, think as well, because I don't. I don't think it's something came from my thoughts. Like I just thought I will do independent contractors, uh, but there's certainly a valid point for what you're bringing. Maybe maybe it's the balance. Uh, right. I mean, it's it's pretty risky to be an independent contractor. If you do a, if you want to have a company page with uh, all the employees on the company page, if you put employees. If an independent contractor only works for one company, the IRS can say, hey, you know what? You're not a contractor. You're an employee. So your company should have had done this and this and this and this. You know, you got you to gotta try carefully there. I agree. I agree. I guess it depends also where, where you hire. If you hire people in the USA, you definitely should adhere to the USA laws. And uh, yeah, I guess. Really everywhere, everywhere. Everywhere, right? De- you depending have to on be... the country. Yeah, depending on... Uh, and, and you have to, so you have to be legal in every location where you have people and you have to stay legal, which means that you have to hire someone who keeps track of the change in laws and tells you, hey, you know what? There's a new law that applies to you guys. Uh, you have to do this now, right? So you have to have a network of consultants everywhere, unless you're huge and then you hire, you know, Ernst & Young or whatever, KPMG and... Uh, and that's their job, right? They they help multinationals stay compliant, but those are very very expensive. Agreed, agreed. I guess it's not relevant for startups and mainly just for really really huge, uh, more companies and corporations. Right. Um, yeah. Nice, nice. That's a good good tip. So um, I, I'm curious to know, since you're doing it for ten years, um, is there anything you wish you knew now when you started your journey, specifically regarding the remote work and Anything that either made your life better working remotely? Um, is there anything uh, you would tell yourself 10 years ago? Uh, I don't even remember 10 years ago. I knew nothing. <laughs> One thing that I would like to tell someone who's just getting started is that if you want to uh, be remote, then you really should commit to being remote first. Because the worst thing you can do is to do it halfway, where Oh, yeah, you can work remotely, but actually all the important conversations happen at the office, offline, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That's not going to make for a very good working experience for the people who are remote. And so that's part of why I used to work in the office and then I moved to working remotely full time is because I want every employee at Balsamic to get the same experience working with me, whether they're here or they're wherever they live. Just because I was at the office, uh, you know, we would have lunch together and uh, we would have these conversations at lunch. You can't really help it, right? 
And so people who were not in Bologna felt like... Outside you know, more kind of... Outside, second class, or who knows, right? Yeah. So I feel like it's got to start from the top and you have to lead by example. And um, and I think it's working. Since I switched remote to being full-time remote, people stopped going to the office as much as before. <laughs> Even though the rules hadn't changed, we've always said, come when you want. But now people understand like, oh... So I really can work at home if I want to. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say, yes, uh, really uh, do everything remote first. It doesn't mean you can't have an office, but it means that the office cannot be the, the default. The office is the exception. Mm-hmm. The default is you know the virtual office, whatever software you're using to organize projects or communicate. That's got to be online. Yeah, I really like what you said, but you need to start from the top, like as the leader of the organization of the company, like kind of people are looking up to you. So whatever you're going to do, probably all the other people are going to do. So um, it sounds like when you went remote, like other people maybe felt more comfortable uh, to do it. But that's number one. I also like what you said, that uh, the office is the exception, like uh, the core is the virtual one. Like oh, I never had an office, uh, but. I don't know, maybe one day in the future we will need some office, but uh, definitely like remote is also the core. Yeah. Uh, so we're we're buying an office now we've been renting. And, uh, and, you know, after 10 years, I feel like we can use an office if we want to do some like JavaScript meetups or stuff like that. It, it's, it's good for marketing and recruiting. And it's also nice for everybody to have a place where that we can call home that we're proud of having, even if we never go to it. But when designing the office, I designed it remote first, meaning that I designed the balsamic workstation. So what computer, monitor, desk, chair, lamp, microphone, uh, you know, decorations you have, and everybody gets the same at home. And then, by the way, we'll use those same exact things for the office as well. So if you work at home, you're not going to feel like you're you know, you, you can feel connected to people who go to the office. And if you go to the office, you don't feel special because you're getting all the same exact equipment that people at home get. Nice. Yeah, so yeah, people really want to be a part of something. They want to be recognized. That's what I noticed. And uh, yeah, definitely, like, you want ev- everyone kind of be treated the same way. I really like it. Yeah. Nice. And the other thing is that we don't do, like, we don't offer office perks like, hey, free lunches. That's completely unfair to people who don't work, don't go to the office, right? I can see why people do it because it's efficient and people work more, right? They take shorter, <laughs> shorter lunch breaks. Uh, you know, Google is entirely designed to keep you there as long as possible. But it's so unfair to people who don't, who can't go to the office if they want to because they live far away, right? Sure. So sure. we're never going to do stuff like that. Uh, yeah, but like, when you work at home, I guess you also eat at home. So naturally, you don't go or spend time going to a restaurant. So there is this part as well, where you're going to be close to a computer yeah. for the good or for the bad. <laughs> All right. So since you've been doing it for a long time, I'm curious to know if there's something new or a new company who wants to start a remote company or just want to work remotely, what are your top three tips for someone like this, maybe? Uh, since you've been really doing it for a while, since seems like you really dialed down and... Uh, the whole remote thing. Okay. Well, first is uh, you can do it. It's not impossible. In <laughs> fact, it's more and more uh, the normality. Second is uh, think about it if it's the right thing for you and your business. 
because uh, it's not for everyone. You know, in in some cases, if your if your customers are uh, all local, there's no point in creating a, a giant remote infrastructure. Uh, you know, if you're if you're starting an ice cream shop, uh, working remotely is not <laughs> quite an option. Right. So, you know, it's kind of fashionable right now that you don't have to be remote. It's okay not to be remote too. The other thing is that remote is not easier. It's different. It's absolutely hard for a, a number of reasons. Um, communication is not as uh, quick, not as easy. People get lonely. Remote Working remotely is great for the first two years. And then it kind of gets hard and lonely. You know, we, we have different ways to uh, to help people in, in this uh, problem because it is a real problem. So, you know, it's not for everyone. And then, uh, yeah, so do it if it's the right thing for you and your business. But don't do it just because you feel like, oh, I'm going to be able to work from the beach wherever I, wherever I am. It's yeah, not quite like that. Thinking. Many people are thinking this way, yeah. Yeah, and also be careful for applicants that want to work for you because that's what they want. They want what they want is the remote part. They don't necessarily want to work for you. You can spot these pretty quickly. Is that three tips yet? Yeah, yeah. Those are pretty okay. tips. <laughs> I, I agree with the people who want to work remotely. I notice as well they shout very loudly that they don't care about the company. They just want a remote position, which is very bad. Mm-hmm. You want people who want to work for you, believe in what you're trying to do. I'm curious to know, how do you solve the after-two-year syndrome, which you mentioned uh, uh, in Balsamic, uh, which maybe get lonely? So, yeah, 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 yeah. you have to work really hard at it, actually. Um, so we, we, we try uh, a number of things. We do a lot of things online where we get together. So my next meeting after this is called Friday Fun Times. Mm-hmm. So we, we pick five people at random in the company and put them in a Google Hangout for half an hour every Friday with, with no agenda other than as have fun, make jokes. Because otherwise, uh, you might never talk to those people. You know, I never see them. You don't run, run into them in the hallway of the office, right? So we do that. We do a number of things like that. We do a media club where we watch a movie and then we discuss it together every month. We do a number of things. But also we... We encourage people to go and do exercise, especially group exercise routines. So go do a Zumba class. Don't do uh, you know tennis because that's on your own. That's only with mm-hmm. one other person. More people. You know, do a spinning class so that you're around people. Humans are social animals. Yeah, uh, they need to be around other people. So. So we try to do that. We have budgets for people to fly uh, and visit their colleagues. We have co-working budgets because some people might work better in an office environment, just not our office. So we give $250 to each person if they're going to want to rent a co-working desk. We do a lot and we're going to do, we're always open to adding more of these kind of programs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. That sounds like a... A few good solutions. Yeah, it's something I've been struggling at times as well, but I've kind of had my own things I'm trying to do. But uh, yeah, I, I think I personally as well to add it up more in my teams as well, this personal touch and really uh, pushing them to be social, definitely social creatures. Yeah, you, yeah. you have to you have to work uh, hard at it. I agree. It's regular work, but that's for sure for anyone who wants to start working remotely. It's not necessarily easier. 
All right. Um, before we wrap up, I'm just curious to know, what are your must-have tools for a remote team? There are so many SaaS solutions. And of course, when you work remotely, I, I think the tools can make it or break it personally because you're all the computers. So the tools help you work remotely the way I see it. So what are your must-have tools which you're kind of using in your day-to-day -day activities in the company? So our office is Slack. That's Same where the communication happens. And then uh, we used HipChat for a while. Slack is a little bit better, but uh, now there's a new one. Whatever, any any of these uh, communication tools, uh, we use that over email. We, we rarely send email to each other. Email is not a very good medium of communication. And then uh, Google Hangouts for bigger meetings, Zoom for even bigger meetings. And then most importantly, the Wiki. We use Atlassian Confluence, and that's where we have our handbook and all of our notes, et cetera. And then I built a little tool. It's a project management tool that helps us uh, see who's working on what and what uh, each of us um, is working on. It's just a little sort of very lightweight project management tool that just lists all the projects and who's working on what projects. You could use something like Asana or Basecamp or you know whatever. Mm -hmm. There's a million project management tools. Uh, or build your own. So these are the critical ones. We use Pivotal Tracker for our bug reports and feature feature requests. And then we have a number of other tools that we use for support or you know marketing or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So sounds many of the tools like we're using as well. Definitely Slack is the, the virtual office. That's the core, at least uh, on our end as well. Um, yeah, to be very careful on how you use it because it can also be a giant distraction. So we have these best practices that we use to make sure it doesn't suck all of your day i agree i agree all the time it's definitely you need to be careful of this for good and bad good and bad yeah. things of this yeah all right all right well um giacomo thank you very much for coming to the show i really enjoyed uh, talking to you sounds like for you dial really down the remote work uh, you gave really good tips for anyone thinking about starting to work remotely or anyone working remotely definitely for myself I have a few things to think about as well from the few things you said alright I hope it helps alright all right. have a great day and enjoy your Friday uh, meeting with uh, your team Friday fun times right. here I come small quest before you leave so if you enjoy the show we would really appreciate to receive a 5 star review on iTunes or your favorite podcast app that can really help and we'll also would love to hear any feedback that you have anything else you want us to ask anyone coming to the show anything you want to change improve add or something you like really any feedback we really, really appreciate it